It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When I, I don't know. If- Live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 590. My name is Eric Nilsson. Today I have my normal co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. Matt Longeth, how are you doing today? Eric, I have a serious case of home lab envy as any time that we always have our guest here, Mark Huber, on today. Uh, we last had him on in February of last year talking about his monster workstation rig on episode 541. And we have some uh, improvements with his home networking, which I'm sure will make most uh, enterprise-grade data centers jealous for what he is uh, about to throw down and describe to us here in this episode. But before we get to all of those things, my key questions, my friend, how are you? How are things out on the West Coast? And most importantly, what is the color of the bay? Uh, let me tell you, I'm doing well. And, you know, I am also jealous because before we started the show, we were talking to Mark and I like thought I would I would brag a little bit and go, hey, I got a 3090 for Christmas. So I got, you know, I got 8K capability and 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 Mark just goes off. But yeah, I run dual 8K displays um, with to double and he starts going into stuff I don't even recognize. Right. And then he uses the, the the dual card connection. He'll tell us what the protocol is. I read about that. He's He's like, yeah, I'm jealous now. The guy, the guy lives the life for sure. I've got a single Dell wraparound uh, 36 inch monitor and I'm like, oh, I got a big, you know, this is great. He's like, yeah, I got dual, you know, 30X number wraparound. So it's like, there's always one that does it better. He just keeps going, right? You can't, you can't. There's always somebody better in the room, right? That's the way it goes. Uh, I'm excited. The weather is has, has been beautiful here in California. I know the Northeast has had some really cold weather uh, up through Chicago and Northeastern and Boston and all the, the areas in the U.S. have been pretty cold. But out in California, you know, it's dried up and it's been sunny and mild in the, in the 60s. Uh, so we're, we're, we're really enjoying the the calm weather i have kids in university of chicago and he's like it's like it's four degrees out there and you know snowing and and matt i'm sure you got the same thing color the bay is it's just a beautiful green here it's not too windy it's sunny and so it got a little light shimmer on it Uh, we're enjoying the northern california weather matt i assume it's pretty chilly out where you're at it, not as much as you would think, but actually today uh, it has been the highest that we've seen in a couple of weeks, almost uh, a balmy 40 degrees Fahrenheit for those listeners out there. Uh, you drive two hours northwest up towards Lake Erie and they're uh, uh, running around in about a foot of snow. And between tonight and Friday midday, we're supposed to receive a significant um, what we'll call winter mix between rain, sleet, snow, back to ice, and maybe even a couple bit of, of ice pellets. So the next 36 hours will be a just typical mid-Atlantic uh, February mess as we you know happen to get from, from here to uh, time to time. 
Well, uh, let's uh, let's dive in here. It is a new year for us. February second is a brand new year for VMware. VMware now we're in our our new year, so we're excited about that. And uh, let's introduce Mark. Mark uh, Hubert. VCDX 181, um, no, need no introduction to the community. Everybody should know you and you should definitely go check out Mark's blog. It's just vcdx181.com. Uh, and man, you got some really good blog articles there. We're going to talk about the, the, your, your networking. Uh, it's called uh, homelab-stage-lx-new-network. And LX, I had to Google that LX is 60. <laughs> so it's the 60th article on your home lab, I assume, uh, where you talk about new networking gear. So welcome to the show. Do a couple minute elevator pitch. Who are you? How long you've been doing VMware stuff? And then we'll get into your home lab. Okay. First of all, thanks for having me. So uh, yeah, um, starting my career 21 years ago. So I started with ESX 1.0, first installation in Germany. And yeah, it was kind of kind of hard. And uh, I'm always telling my customers and my co-workers and friends that I'm doing the VMware stuff since 21 years. And sometimes my wife gonna uh, tell me, you're doing your stuff 24 by 7. And I really like and love all the uh, things around the virtualization and all this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, really deep, uh, digging into uh, all the vSphere stuff, the Horizon stuff, becoming a VMware certified instructor for several years. Uh, yeah, doing all the practical yeah, experience that I got within my home lab with at customer environments and pasting these information inside the trainings and then becoming a VCDX uh, in, uh, back in 2014. Uh, which was one of my biggest achievements within uh, my career. And uh, especially new new colleagues, new co co-workers are always jealous and they're complaining, oh, what about your home lab? It is such a great uh, uh, environment. And now, right now, three different data centers running at your house. And I said, yeah, this is my invest into my career, definitely. And uh, yeah, the power bill is one of the highest uh, you could compare. It is nearly 28,000 kilowatt hours uh, last year. So it is all self-paid. And yeah, sometimes it's hard. But without that environment, I wouldn't be here today. So yeah. Very fun. Very fun. I know uh, I get the power bill now because I'm running the graphics cards and I got a lot of games going on, but the house stays warm in the winter. So I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. So uh, very nice. I know you got a lot of other cool blog articles uh, uh, on your blog as well. So it's not just about your home lab. Your home lab is one whole tab, which is just a series of that. But you also do a good job uh, covering other topics between, you know, linking off to the the NVIDIA uh, article around uh, the, what they're doing there. I thought that was cool. Um, what do you think as you're transitioning through how VMware's went from workstation then to uh, ESX and then from ESX to NSX, uh, not, uh, sorry, I think it went vSAN next or maybe NSX next, then vSAN, then, you know, SDDC all tied together that now we're in the, in the, in the Kubernetes world and now we're moving into SaaS service world. Uh, are you excited about the, the innovation and change and can you keep up? Yes, in, in, in the past, if you're wearing any kind of VMware stuff and people know it, they ask you about, okay, what of the three VMware products are you working on? Workstation, GSX server, or the newer one, the ESX server. Right now, right. how many products are inside there? 64, yeah. 65, I don't know really. 
Um, it is it is a huge journey, and it's uh, sometimes really nice to see the evolution. Uh, sometimes it is kind of hard, uh, especially the uh, update three disaster or log four J or something like that. Customers sometimes struggle with it, but the the journey itself, yeah, we have a lot of customers who work on the on-prem environment, shifting to multi-cloud environments, jumping on the uh, uh, container train. So we're we're sometimes I'm yeah talking to my customers and especially German customers. For example, if Kubernetes is a train that's running around, let's say Germany, I have some customers who like to to build a railway station for that train. And mm -hmm. these customers are really hoping that the train is going to stop at their railway station. And we tell, told them, no, 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 don't build a railway station. The train is going to drive with 300 kilometers per hour through Germany. And you have only one chance, jump on it. And you have to do it right now. You have to do it last year or maybe the year before. It is especially jumping on on the uh, Tenzu stuff, which it with it totally getting customers sometimes crazy. And now I can run co uh, containers on the same level as virtual machines. I don't need any any uh, Linux uh, uh, container host anymore. It is it is crazy times, but it's seeing all these this evolution and especially during the the uh, pandemic, BDI projects jumping out of out of the room from for any customer they like to to use their people running uh, with their home environments and yeah it is uh, especially um all the when when talking to customers about the sd van they love it especially combined with pandemic work from home all the the sassy environments uh, or projects you created yeah it is 21 years it is <laughs> yeah, it almost feels like it's accelerating, right? Uh, if you yeah. look at if you look at Kubernetes and SaaS, and now multi-cloud. And I watched Raguz; uh, he had a, he had a, on Reseller News. He had a great uh, interview on Reseller News where he was talking about multi-cloud and where. Ragu is really good at talking to customers. I, I, from a CEO perspective, I felt like Pat was this great strategy thinker, Intel, knew the hardware business, knew, knew compute business really well. And, you know, he ran out and, and schmoozed with customers, but he kind of schmoozed in the way Pat did, right? Like he was like a rock star and he would schmooze with customers. And I'm sure he'd listen to them, but I loved Pat, right? But what I find really cool about Ragu is that Ragu actually really listens to customers. He reminds me of actually uh, you, Mark, like in the sense that he knows the technology, he's worked with customers, he's listened to customers, and then he makes really good choices. He listen, he doesn't, I don't think he strategically is a, is a brilliant guy. Maybe he is, but what he does really well is he just listens to what they say. And then he comes back and goes, yeah, we got to do this because... I'm listening to customers and customers are telling me this is what we need. We need to solve these 10 problems. So if we just acquire products or build products, we can solve these 10 problems. And I look at multi-cloud and I can see that 
customers are telling him, you know, we are moving to the cloud, but we don't want to be pinned to a given cloud. We use clouds for the services they offer. And what I really need is a framework that allows me to run my IT, manage my IT across my own data center, across AWS, across Azure, across Oracle, across IBM, across all these other clouds that offer me software solutions as SaaS and APIs that I can tie together and then manage it the way VMware does. So it's, it's pretty cool. I, I, he's a he's a pretty cool guy, and it is moving fast across all these these areas. Huh. There's something to be said for a CEO that actually listens to the customers and implements the customers' wants versus what the CEO's own agenda is, right? I mean, to, to, to see so often where, where you see where it's the CEO's true agenda, and if it happens to fall in line with what the customer's priorities are, great. But the CEO's agenda will be implemented regardless. I think Ravu is taking the step aside from that, where he's truly going out into the field and trying to elicit a response and a, and a consensus of what he's of, of what our top customers are looking for, and then truly deliver that back to them, because that's what he wants to do. He wants to do what is in the customer's best interest. There, there's a nice story about the, these two guys, Pat and Ragu. Um, I, I can't remember exactly the year, but um, at any any VMworld where Pat was the CEO, uh, we got special seating. We, let me explain what we means. Um, the VMworld, the first one in the US started 2004 with uh, 1,600 or 1,800 attendees. And then the US one got straight uh, forward. And uh, for example, there are only 18 people left who attended all US VMworlds. And then VMworld Europe kicks in 2008. And then I think it was 2016 or something like that. Uh, we had special seating at VMworld US, so front row seating. Ed comes in, um, Ragu and uh, uh, Robin Matlock and several other um, uh, C-level people. And Pat recognized me. He, um, he come, came over to me and uh, Ragu was behind him. And then Ed was laying his arm around me and introduced myself to Ragu. Hey, this is the only guy on the planet who attended all VMworlds. Ragu was quite impressed and he asked, okay, where are you based? So where are you from? Um, from which state are you? And okay. I responded, North Rhine-Westphalia. <laughs> His face, <laughs> they said, what? I never heard that. I said, yeah, I'm from good old Germany. So he expected that I, I must be a US guy. And that was quite a, quite a fun story. <laughs> Yeah, that it is. It is. And, uh, you know, so here we are. It's moving forward. I'm actually excited. I listen to where we're at and, uh, you know, the, you know, I think it's resonating with the market. I think for a while people didn't really get it. They kind of thought that VMware was tied to, you know, ESX and, you know, on-prem and, you know, that was, they, we were going to, we're going to grow at 2% for the rest of time and maybe decline. But now people are starting to really understand, oh yeah, there is a whole need for multi-cloud, multi-cloud management. Kubernetes was a brilliant move, uh, bringing Joe Beta and the, the founders in and then uh, doing Tanzu's getting traction. So it's all, it's all coming together. Yet at the same time, I, I think this has helped us grow 
the on-prem business as well, right? Because yeah. people are comfortable still, you know, you don't have to choose between cloud and non-cloud. You can you can still build gear. You can still run you know, your data center if you, if you have need for it, right? But yet then there's nice solutions that tie this all together. And so here we are, uh, your, your home lab. I think there's still a lot of room to, to install the stuff, learn the stuff and engage with, uh, with real tech that, that has machines that have fans that keep your rooms warm. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about your home lab blog and we can just talk about uh, where you're at uh, with uh, since the last year. And then we noticed that the, 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 60, the 60 article on your new network was trending a little bit on social. So we thought we'd have you come in and talk about it. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, the 60s article is uh, kind of crazy. So compare where I started it. So just one little HP microserver, my first uh, uh, edition, and then two Apple um, uh, micro machines. Yeah, and, and right now, yeah, I've got 100 gigabit networks connected to my ESXi hosts. And then the entire network itself, 100 gigabit backbone, and then 22, uh, sorry, 25 gigabit, uh, four connections, LACP to the new aggregator switch. So I really like the uh, Ubiquity uh, network stuff because it is it is quite nice for, for home labs. It is reliable, it is cheap, but it, sometimes, um, yeah, it is not really fully enterprise, for example, if you must configure BGP connection, for example, I'm running NSXT and uh, BGP configuration uh, to my Velo clouds, uh, as well as to the uh, physical switches. The Mellanox switch, or now called the NVIDIA networking uh, switch, the 100 gigabit switch, it's an incredible machine. It is half white, full height switch, 16 ports, 100 gigabit with a power consumption of only 60 watts. That is incredible. And it is a perfect machine for home lab environments. And this one is connected to my uh, ESXi hosts. Um, so actually right now, my main cluster, so my main data center, I'm running three data centers uh, around my house. So two are in the basement uh, and one is uh, the new and rebuilded garage the project that I finished uh, uh, last year's summer. Um, each data center is connected through uh, multiple 10 gigabit uh, connections. The main data center has uh, also 25 gigabits. So the new NAS system, uh, which I uh, just installed uh, three weeks ago, is connected with a dual LACP 25 gigabit connection. To serve all this power, it has eight four terabyte SSDs. And my workstation itself got connected with 40 gigabits. And it's quite nice if you copy any, let's say the new vSphere 7.3, uh, uh, 7.0 update three uh, Caesar release, uh, and you copy it to your NAS and the copy speed is around 1.1 gigabytes per second, which is, which is quite nice. <laughs> So Marco, yeah, the, I asked you to put your VCDX hat on for a minute. And if I'm <laughs> the a board member of Mark's Home Lab Inc., was this upgrade a business decision where you saw it as something that you needed to do 
to maintain these three DCs as far as what you would see out in the enterprise? Or was this one of more of those more of a passionate decision where you saw it was, I just want to have that next step up in what is out there as far as networking, or perhaps maybe a little bit of both. I think a little bit of, of both, because um, when talking with customers, selling vSAN is a relatively easy part because customers love vSphere, it is easy to implement, and it's the sales cycles and implementation cycles are much more easier and shorter than, for example, Horizon or NSXT or SD-WAN or something like that. From the vSphere perspective, I just really to wanted to max out my vSAN environment. So all flash vSAN, of course, yes, Intel obtains NVMEs and all this kind of stuff. So I just want to max out 10 gigabit. Yes, my second step was 40 gigabit. I maxed so out you 40 just, gigabit so at special You fast 25 altogether. You went from 10 to 40. You just made the yeah. jump up. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it was... To, to be honest, it was the incremental on, price on point, eBay. right? Sure. Yeah. Why not yeah. get yeah, it was quadruple the performance? Cheaper on, on eBay to get 40 gig equipment than 24. So from 10 to tw uh, to uh, uh, 40. And then from 40, I just wanted to play around with the newest technology before I'm going to implement it at customer sites. And then, especially when vSAN comes out with a new feature, the RDMA support. I just wanted to kick in and, and, and configure that because sometimes customers are asking, how could I tune my environment a little bit more? How can I get most out of it? Jumbo frames, of course, yes. 10 gigabit, is it enough? Normally, yes. If you max out your equipment, the Intel obtains P4800X or P5800X, the newest ones, which have in, insanely 100 uh, drive uh, writes per day, 100 on a single device. It is absolutely amazing. And the, the 1.8 million IOPS one of these devices could deliver, your next bottleneck will definitely become your network. And uh, that could sometimes be a problem. And it was a combination of a business decision as well as I must have it. <laughs> so th this this emotional uh, scenario to test the newest stuff. And um, we see on customer sites that we're now, now these days we're going to talk to customers who have not implemented vSphere in the past. We're talking to them on an AI perspective and especially the, the NVIDIA part. And when you're, you're talking to customers on AI, they don't care about network speed. If you if you talk to them and said, we're gonna need 200 gigabit network connections or maybe upgrade to 400 gigabit, they just told you, okay, if we're gonna need it, let's do it. And uh, this is sometimes, yeah, really crazy. And jumping from 10 gig to 40 was a huge improvement. And then from 40 to 100, uh, yeah. Let's compare vMotion, the vSAN, the, the VM traffic itself. It is, yeah, you, you we're, we're I'm sure all you've reran HCI bench for, for your own environment. 
Yes, I did. <laughs> so if I may ask in general terms, what performance increase did you see and where are you at as far as, as IOPS now on your vSAN cluster? So comparing from 10 gig to 40, there was an increase from 40 to 100. Just comparing the vSAN stuff, there was no increase. The increase itself was using fault tolerance, using vMotion, all this kind of stuff. The vSphere feature where the different streams get automatically uh, assigned, uh, where in the past you had to manually tune all your different streams for vMotion, for example. It is, it is the, the, even the biggest VMs and the biggest VMs that I'm running, they have, I think, 128 gigs of memory for, for a home lab VM. It is migrated three seconds, done. So this is this is really really nice, and especially we're all humans. We're all when when we see new performance and we consider new performance. Two weeks later, this is our default level, the newest and the highest performance. And especially when I'm doing rollouts, beta tests, or, or whatever inside my home lab, and then starting it at customer sites, sometimes I am thinking. Oh my God, is that slow on the customer side? <laughs> <laughs> there is certainly, you know, I, I listen to it and I go like, yeah, I've I've worked and ran IT where they've been further behind than what you you're doing, you know, doing in your home lab. I think that's great from your perspective because you can come in and actually say, yeah, I run this. We already have this. I know this is so many people have come in and to me at the time and pitched, well, here's where you can go, but there's risk to it because no one's really done that yet. So the fact that you're just on the edge of doing it means that you can come into a customer and say, yes, I've done this. It works. It works well. It's, it's a higher performing network than you already have. It's your own, it's your, in your data center. Yeah. And, and especially, yeah, playing around with all the new features, especially RDMA. So when, when customers heard about the new feature, they, they are calling, they're writing me emails, they sometimes comment on my on my blog. What about the configuration? Is it kind of hard? Which are the, 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 the fallback options and all this kind of stuff? And yeah, for the first time, I totally screwed up my entire home lab configuring RDMA and enabling RDMA. Um, I have configured something wrong. So yeah, lessons learned and then recreated uh, the, the environment. And then, yeah, now, nowadays, if a customer is going to uh, call in the, I would like to enable RDMA because I've heard it is uh, better performance and uh, less CPU. And so, yes, that's totally true. But these are the steps. These are the re requirements that you need to consider. And sometimes customer asking, what did you know about that? And I said, yeah. I've done it. Where? At my home lab. So yeah, sometimes <laughs> I, I have customer environments that are definitely smaller than my environment here. So yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, Matt, I know you have to take off and uh, meet a customer. So thank you for, for joining us. Uh, as always, uh, appreciate you coming in on a podcast day, even though you've got some customer work to do. Yeah, fair enough, Mark. It was a pleasure. Wish you could be here longer. I uh, can't wait to see the next entry and the next iteration. We'll have you yeah. on again soon. Thank you all. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.
I think we're going to ask Tony Foster to come in as well. Um, Julia, if you're listening to this, uh, we can bring Tony in. There he is. Tony Foster, thanks for being on the show. Uh, Tony, maybe you know a little bit more about networking than I do, because let me tell you, Mark is just like, uh, you know, way up here. And I'm like, listen, I'm going like, wow. Like uh, I'm I'm still jealous of his, of his monitors. Do Mark, do you actually ever, you know, you, you run benchmarks against everything. Do you ever put like production kind of workload on just to test to see how things are behaving or really you just make VMs, large VMs, you're moving things around. It just seems like, wow, you have such capacity. I should send you my workloads and let you just open it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, one of my customers told me uh, uh, if I could host their entire production <laughs> workload on my environment, uh, yeah, from a technical perspective, it would be possible. And uh, from an internet connection perspective, I have four different internet carriers running into right. my house uh, onto the SD WAN solution and then con- uh, communicating with BGP uh, through my uh, 100 gigabit switch and then to the Ubiquity environment through the NSXT environment. Um, it is It is a production environment. And it's not only running demo environments. It is my own production environment for the house here, for the entire data, all the three different data centers run in here. And I just compare it with customer environments. So I have uh, configured the site recovery manager with uh, vSphere replication. Why? Because sometimes customers asking about that. uh, I have attached public clouds, so AWS S3, for example, for my Cohesity uh, backup solution, which for, for talking to new colleagues, for example, I, I've had a small presentation about my home lab. And one of the questions all the, the guys have, what about backup? And I said, okay, I have all the environment from data center one got into backup on data center one then replicated on data center two, replicated on data center three, sent to cloud to Oregon, sent to cloud to Frankfurt, and then offload backup LTE. I've got an LTE four autoloader and the, t- the tape libraries got offloaded to my parents' home. So my data is safe. What about your data? And this question sometimes, yeah, complain at, at uh, customer sites where customers are really thinking about that is going hey he has one two three four five different options how to place his backup data and uh, sometimes i i just compare it to yeah small medium environment uh, customer scenarios so i'm running the the entire stack that the customer would also run several v centers connected uh, active directories different uh, ntp connections with hardware clocks and all this kind of stuff so that a, a small medium or sometimes small enterprise environment would also run yeah and it is uh, before performing any upgrade or any new version on the customer side i'm performing it on my environment and all of my colleagues i yeah one of my colleagues told me that i would be like a virus inside of our um uh, company because everyone who's going to talk to me start right. creating a home lab after that. So <laughs> where all the, the, the colleagues have yeah, stuff at their home and we're testing new releases, upgrades, all these different consulting steps at our environments before we do it at customer sites. 
That's one of the, the main reasons why we have homelands. Mark, I've got to ask, you, you were talking about backups and everything, and I know backups aren't good unless you can actually test them. So do you test your backups? Yes, on a regular basis. So uh, all the vCenter file-based backup, yes, tested, done. All the, the Cohesity-based, VADP-based backups, yeah, test, replication of them, and all this kind of stuff. So I have seen customer environments where they have created backups and backups and backups and backups and everything yeah, seems to be fine. And then one great disaster and their backups are useless because they have never, ever tested it. One of the main questions I've always had for all my customers is when you perform an upgrade within vCenter, did you test your restore routine, your process? Sometimes customers told me, uh, no, we don't care. It's going to work. If a disaster happened, you have to have the same release as the ISO image as your upgraded production environment. If you don't have, you are not able to restore your environment. Yes, that's one of the main points. Test your backup. <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh, strikes me about this, and you know, there's just this whole time management, but we'll, we'll skip time management. Budget allocation, right? Like, I think you have to determine at the beginning of the year, and I think I'm going to try to do this next this year, right? Which is, I just have to tell my wife, okay, I'm going to, I make a lot of money, right? Like uh, VMware pays well, right? Like VMware pays well. Uh, and uh, I've had investments my whole life. I made money on the stock. So I have, I have enough money. I just have to tell my wife, all right, I'm going to spend $15,000 on, on my lab this year. Right. Or, you know, and, and then plus uh, $500 a month, this is all us, but like some number $300 a month in power plus $12,000 or 15,000 in gear. And that's what I'm going to spend every year. Now I make enough on the high end that I can, that, that pays for itself. It's just my career education. You can go spend $8,000 on a good class. Right. But I think there's a bit that I think a lot of us miss, which is we have to, you have to allocate some budget of your own personal wealth to doing this, because then if you allocate the dollars and you're willing to spend it, you know, without being super cheap everywhere, you're like, yeah, we're all buying, getting old stuff and super old stuff. But if we, there's one budget allocation. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how you manage your budget allocation process. So for our, us who are wanting to do a bigger, better lab, there, there's just a process for men, getting mentally over that, you know, allocating the funds. How do you do that? Budget is one thing. Time for maintaining the environment is a real, sometimes even bigger one. So let's right. start with the with the budget. Um, why did I create a home lab? Why did I start? In the past, um, I created inside our company from my employer, we have a dedicated lab environment and I created an entire VMware-based demo environment. I worked there nearly a week. Then I was off to customer locations and then I, th I thought it was three weeks later I came back the entire, the entire environment got going to get killed because one of my co-workers need to test a Citrix environment, the Zen server environment. And they, they totally screwed my environment. And I was really, really pissed about that. So I'm after work, I come home, 
And uh, my wife's gonna gonna ask, oh, how was your day? And I said, I don't talk to her. Just go down to my office, which is underneath the uh, living room uh, where I'm right now sitting. Um, I, I don't talk to anyone. I think after one hour, I uh, got up and uh, talked to my wife and she, she asked me, okay, what happened at customer side? How many money does a customer lose? How many uh, servers were down and all this kind of stuff? And I said, no, it has nothing to do with a customer. It was my own environment because right. it was not my environment. A colleague. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. It was company based and it's right. a, it was right. totally okay. So my wife told me, okay, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard, but you can create it and think about this way. If you do it another time, it's going to be quicker. You know, the steps right, sure. and all this kind of stuff. So education perspective. Okay. Several months later, it happened again. And then when I got home and talked to my wife after this hour in my office, I talked to my wife and she mentioned, okay, what can we do if this is going to not happen again? Because you were personally totally pissed four weeks after this scenario. Right, right. Because you told so many effort inside this, this lab environment. And I told her, okay, I would need to create my own environment. And she said, okay, let's do it. And I said, it's going to be a budget thing. So first starting with the, 15 yeah, the, to 20,000 euros. So, and, and, and she mentioned, okay, let's do, let's call it a business plan. My wife, she's a midwife. She has nothing to do with IT. Okay. But for example, when I come home from a customer environment where everything goes worse and worse and worse, and I'm I'm totally pissed. My wife wife is gonna ask, "How was your day?" I said, "The the, the customer X or customer Y lose so much money, or any car manufacturer, the production line is gonna stop because of the failure of the environment or something like that." Then my wife is gonna respond, "If she's gone anything wrong, someone could die," and and this gets me totally grounded. In, in that second. And she told me, let's create a business plan. You could spend 20,000 euros this year. Next year, 15,000 euros. Next year, 10,000 euros. Right, right. And this is my starting from, yeah, I've, I have all the different builds and I collected them and I summed it up. Over 180,000 euros for the right. entire environment through all the years. Right. Most of them are eBay equipment and all this kind of stuff. Right. This is the budget thing. And my power bill, nearly 28,000 kilowatt hours per year. So nearly 1,000 euros a month to the right. local provider, right. which is kind of hard, but it is my invest into my career. And right, sometimes I that, I'm, I'm using this environment for pre-sales situations, internal trainings, customer demos, and all right. this kind of stuff. Right. I think that uh, to how it got started is, is kind of unique in that you're, because your wife works in medical, and medical absolutely believes in training, that you have to do training. You have to invest in knowing because you could kill people, right? So that makes a lot of sense that your your wife was like, used to that concept of putting investment in training right or in an environment and and was willing to say 
go for that. I think it was good of her encouragement to do that, right? And then, and then you, another interesting aspect there is that then you start with a larger investment the first year, obviously, but then over the course of 10 years, yeah, it's a hundred thousand, you know, dollars or a hundred euros. Um, but that's over 10 years. So you're really making incremental investments and not everything gets thrown away. You keep you old stuff. You, you know, might even be able to sell old stuff used if you want to. There's a whole management process behind that, but it's just understanding that you're going to make that 10 K investment plus a power bill per you know, then then you get the time management. I think that's interesting. That's how you got started because I think a lot of people sit and stare in the abyss of spending money, and there's significant other, or maybe you don't have it, but this looks at you and goes, "You're just buying toys for yourself." You know, this is not. You're just being geeky, Eric, buying video cards or whatever, right? Like this is not, this just doesn't pay you anything. This is you goofing around for Christmas. But I think that that was a revel revelation for the way she approached it and allowed you to then build that. And it is completely paid off, or at least from my perspective. I look at you and I look at what you do for VMware and you know all that contribution. You are at the forefront. You're like a. I'll just I'll just mention there's this I watching this YouTube guy, I don't know his channel, but he fixes hardware, right? Now all he does is turn on the camera and he just solders he gets boards in. It's him and his his uncle run a shop and they get boards in and they fix boards and they ship them out. Um, but he's he he just shares what he can do to fix all kinds of boards, right? And that knowledge of knowing how to do that and then sharing that knowledge is just it just it's, it's just a great thing to watch how somebody else is on the edge of their industry doing it in their home. Right. And then passing on that knowledge. I think it's just, it's, it's, it's been good to watch that pay off for him. I see it paying off and you become, Oh, I know what the point was. The point is that now he has a year queue on video card repair, right? He has like, 400 cards or 500 cards that people have sent them in and he charges like $70 if he can't fix it and $250 if he can. And then typically he can do one and a half an hour. So he makes a, a perfectly fine living in, in it. He's in Southern California, but you are remind me the same thing, which is once you've done this and you've developed these skills, you're in demand because people want to know how everything runs and you got this. You can actually show them. You can zoom in and see what you've yeah. got and, and you know the features. And it's been it's it's like one of these skills that because you have it, you can do it and you become this and it pays off. It pays off not only for you from a financial perspective, but just for everybody around you gets to learn from you. So that's it's it's pretty cool. But I think all of us has to then make that investment. Tony, I don't know what, what you think there. Oh, I, I think that's absolutely 100% true. I have my home lab uh, here in my basement as well. Um, nothing compared to what Mark has. <laughs> and it is an investment. And you do have to put in that planning. You do have to involve your significant other. Um, in that planning and uh, have that realization that it is an investment in your career. Now, Mark, one of the things I, I'm curious about, I heard you talk about how you use this, use your home lab for demos and everything. Um, I assume your company is supportive of this as well, giving you the option to get old equipment and stuff, I assume. Yeah, it, it is. Um, my, my employer is,
uh, happy that I'm running, or we are the entire uh, VMware community within Computer Center in uh, Germany is pretty happy that we're using home-based stuff because we have one official solution center in uh, Europe for all people. This is designed for showing customer created solutions, not for getting knowledge on products or new technologies and all this kind of stuff. Without our environments, where should we learn? At customer sites? Sorry, this is not my mentoring. Mm -hmm. We have to learn every day. And especially with all the Tensor and all the container stuff and compare that and combine that with all the NVIDIA AI stuff. It is, it is a hard learning curve, definitely. But where should we learn if not within our home labs? And my wife is totally, yeah, she is totally 100% with me about the, the home lab and the requirement for that. And, 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 and the nice story about my colleagues is all my colleagues about asking about how did your wife approve that? And we did barbecues because I have created an outdoor kitchen. And most of the time in Germany, it is not very warm. So, um, but we we using it a regular basis, two times a, a week, for example. And when we are doing barbecues, I'm inviting my colleagues with their wives talking to my wife. <laughs> so their wife's going to talk uh, to, to my wife about the approval. And, and she always, my wife always told them, if he needs it for work and he if he makes it it's the the configuration and all the buying and all maintaining and he really loves it why should i decline that it makes him happy that makes us happy it makes their customers their colleagues his employer and everything else happy around him why should he not do it and sometimes, yes, it is uh, getting strange uh, scenarios. So three different data centers inside a house. So the, the old heating room, the old wine cellar, it sounds more than it is. It is just a room with a dedicated venting, uh, ventilation system. Um, the, the house where I live, we uh, bought it 10 years ago. And uh, as the... Uh, the former um, owner shows us the, uh, the, the house itself. He said, okay, this could be an office. This is our wine cellar. And my wife's going to say, hey, come on, we're not drinking so much wine. Why don't we need a wine cellar? What should we do with this room? And I mentioned to her, it has a, def a dedicated ventilation system. Hmm, could be used as a data center. And then, yeah, get rid of the old garage and build a new one uh, last year. I've written a blog post about that. So this is my third data center. I've always telling new people, students at my trainings, or everyone who's going to ask, start with a lab. Start with an Intel Nook or maybe a Raspberry Pi or something like that. But start it. And when you compare it on William Lamb's blog about the, the different home labs, there is um, an average people spend on their home lab, which I thought was around 7,000 uh, US. 
and there was one one line average home lab without Mark Hoppert. <laughs> because my environment with one over 180,000 euros uh, is, is out of out of business. <laughs> yeah, I have a screen share. I'm going to try to screen. If you happen to be watching us on YouTube at vbarbecue, youtube.com slash vbarbecue, I have a screen share, which if Julia's listening, she can share it, add it to the feed. There it goes. Um, this is your data center three blog article. So you have, yes. uh, I think this is blog article number 61, I think, uh, if I'm right, I'm reading Roman, Roman numerals. Uh, it looks like this was, and I have to scroll down to the the side here. This looks like a garage that was on the side of your house, right? Or something yes. like that. And then you tore it apart uh have great screenshots of the whole construction project which was not a little project you know uh put a put looks like a, a concrete roof on it or something and yep. then down at the bottom here we have a great shot of you know it coming together oh, that looks like a uh, wood form maybe uh yes. yep 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 and then uh, dual garage doors but then here bench and then uh, looks like data well it looks like automotive but i'm yes. not sure whether this is showing any of the data center stuff yet, but it looks like this is where you're claiming your data center three. There's a rack with some wires coming out. So that looks like where it ended up in your garage or exactly. in your new place. Exactly. <laughs> so this, this was a project of about four months. So uh, some of my colleagues helped me getting rid of the old garage with the uh, yeah, concrete um, uh, roof and all this kind of stuff. It, it was hard work. Um, I'm, I'm losing definitely weight on this uh, project. Um, and then creating and recreating the new garage and combining my hobbies. So automotive part, I love BMWs and uh, yeah, working on there, uh, on, on, on these uh, machines. And then my second hobby, which is my job, so working on uh, IT equipment and then, yeah, creating um, the uh, 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 a third data center and attaching 10 gigabit networks to the garage through fiber. Um, as I talked to my neighbors, they are talking to me, okay, what are you doing there? And I said, I'm going to attach 10 gigabit networks through fiber connection from data center one routed through data center two and then up to data center three. I said, uh, come on, you're totally crazy. <laughs> All right. So there is certainly, yes, uh, Julia, you can remove that. Uh, there is certainly some amount of DIY that you should probably have, right? And if you're not a geek and you don't like to do stuff, then probably this isn't going to be for you anyway. Or maybe you're just a pure software engineer and you just don't like to do any kind of hardware. But I would say that... Uh, it is, it is super cool, right? And uh, it is uh, inspir inspiring to us all, but mostly your blog is actually inspiring. So I, I got to, if you made it this far to the podcast, you're probably uh, the expert or somebody that buys into this all. But I would say that go spend some time on uh, vcdx181.com because you've done a really good job, not only building all this, but then taking the time to actually write about it and take photos and, and, and publish it for everybody to share, which is like, like, you're like a god in the standpoint of not a god, but you're Come just on. a great person, right? Because this is a way for all of us to look at it, 
go to your blog and check out, you know, all your articles on all the stuff that you've built. And then obviously you can, uh, you can tweet at uh, Mark as well, because I'm sure he's a nice guy. He'll answer your questions if you get stuck, right? Which is uh, for only, only $69 if he can't help you and $250 if he fixes the board, right? Like that's the, and you've got an 800 uh, board queue in your, in your, in, in the backyard. So we need more Marks out there that are doing this. And certainly we do have many other V experts that have home labs that do this. And hopefully we can get to VM world again. And a guy comes on and shows us some basics of uh, home lab building. So that should be, should also be fun. So Mark, you're inspirational. You're going into 2022. Happy new year to the all Chinese. Uh, I think is give me your money. And it doesn't actually say happy new year, but it's like, give me your money for new year. But, um, what are you thinking for 2022? I'm sure you're looking forward to getting out and seeing some more customers as the pandemic might wind down. But uh, any any big projects you're thinking about besides building an entire garage? Um, uh, yeah, uh, in I think within the next week, I'm going to do a blog post about my newest project. I have created the ultimate workstation. Right now, I'm sitting on this machine, working on this machine, dual screen. 8K 32-inch dual NVIDIA high-end GPUs connected with NVLink, 512 gigs of RAM, Optane P5800 as a Windows 11 boot device. It is amazing and totally crazy. I'd like to show what was what is technically possible right now. And it is, I really love this machine. So this is my my newest uh, project right now. And from a business perspective, we have so many customers right now asking about the AI thing. And they heard that AI is going to be totally expensive and only really big environments and big customers can handle it. No, it is totally easy. I can show it or we as Computer Center could show it to you. Give me a half of a day of a workshop and you are up and have up and running an environment with vSphere 7 as, as the basic, mm-hmm. running NVIDIA AI Enterprise on it. And I'm always calling it, we create a virtual AI DGX system that you can spread all your workload on it and you're ready to run in just four to five hours. And this opens definitely new markets to customers that have actually inside their on-prem environment, even just a small amount of vSphere, small amount of VMware, and then showing them the whole story, the whole product, the portfolio. It is, it is like the, the gold digging times starting with ESX, when in the past, talking to customers, show them the opportunities. I have seen the, the, the light in their eyes and all the bubbles around their heads, all their thoughts. Oh my God, what could we do without with that? And right now it is the same starting and running AI, which combines vSphere, Ubuntu VMs with Kubernetes inside of it, or right now with the newest release, the 1.1 release, totally, you know, the, the Tanzu part, which is totally insane. And this combines all the really cool environment, high-speed networks, 
high performance storage, the coolest GPUs on the world, running on the coolest software platform ever. So yeah. NVIDIA's cloud service or whatever gives you the access to those uh, GPUs then? Is that, or where do you get access to GPUs? Um, most of the time on-prem. On when running AI and customer wants to start AI, it is possible on a, on a hybrid model. So start with the, uh, the big hyperscalers. They also yeah. offer GPU options. But most, most of my customers, it could be a special German customer thing, but they want to keep their data inside, especially okay. AI data. Okay. Yeah. So when you say NVIDIA AI, yeah, I know we, that we have to have a podcast on this, but NVIDIA AI is then uh, an on-prem uh, software layer that sits on top of your GPU or NVIDIA GPUs that then give you ability. Then you virtualize that to give applications uh, availability of that resource. Yeah. Exactly. You have the GPUs sitting inside your hardware, vSphere right. on it, and then the uh, NVIDIA driver on it. And then you, you have two, two path options, bypass this GPU to VMs, Ubuntu VMs, and then run containers inside these Ubuntu VMs, or run it in Tanzu. So directly containers have access to your GPUs and then use the GPUs not for graphic parts, use it oh, yeah, for yeah. compute. Right, yep, yep, yep. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a show we're going to have to get in the next couple of months here. Have you back before another year. Uh, Mark, uh, what is your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, just Mark Hubert. Mark Hubert, H-U-P-P-E-R-T, uh, M-A-R-C. So get, go check him out. Give him a follow. Uh, go check out his blog, uh, vcdx181.com. We're seeing Tony. Uh, we'll do the last minute of the show. Barbecue, Tony, anything interesting in barbecue? I don't think I did anything in the last week. I, I haven't done anything super exciting, although I did uh, do a, a couple of chicken breasts real quick. I threw them on the grill and marinated them with uh, some Italian dressing. Turned out great. Nothing super exciting. I've been watching Tim Davis's barbecue. He does some great barbecue. And uh, let me tell you, he's been doing some good meat lately. I'm starting to get jealous of him. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you barbecue or not, but uh, sounds like it yeah. a little bit with your neighbors. Somebody asked in chat, do your neighbors want an internet connection? Can they can they run a line across and, and get that? Because there's it's just, it's like seems like a lot of bandwidth out there that they could use. Uh, Mark, thanks a lot for being on the show. We're out of time. Uh, we'll get you back here to talk about uh, NVIDIA and AI. That sounds exciting. And uh, until then, everybody uh, go get some good barbecue and we'll be back again next week. I think we're going to be talking about the new vSphere 7 update, something that's just come out. So we got a guest coming on to take us through what's new with vSphere 7. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. See ya. See you guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.